I know other speakers have felt the same as I do just now. I wish you could see Jesus here instead of me. But you're going to have to look at me for a while, I guess. Let's have these put out. Maybe you too. Pass them out. It's really good to stand before you again. God is good. We had a man that came to visit us quite a bit, and he would always say when he came in the door, God is good. just reminded me so much of that when Brother Kurt gave us that good message. Also, I was thinking about something that Brother Kurt had said the other day regarding the old brethren and the German Baptists, and uh, he made an apology there, and I, that was good. I appreciate it, but you know, usually in these things, it's not all the fault on one side. And uh, what I really like is uh, Brother Lowell Beechler's comment on the old brethren with the German Baptist. He said in one of his books that the old brethren and the German Baptist grew up side by side in Modesto there with the best of feeling. And I just want to offer that. There wasn't as much uh, uh, problem as maybe what our brother indicated. We loved the German Baptist all the way, and I'm sure they loved us. We're going to continue with the, the thought of unashamed workmen. And so far we've had the, the qualities that contribute to being unashamed workmen, the qualities of prayer, the gift of reading and of study. And now we have meditation and memorization. And all of these will contribute to our being unashamed workmen. And it's worth it, dear ones, to be unashamed of God because He says if we're not ashamed of Him, He will not be ashamed of us. I wanted to be turned to Hebrews 2, uh, verse 11 uh, first. You don't have to turn to this, but it says, For both He that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. We're one with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's not ashamed of us when we are one with him. And then in, in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 16, but now they desire a better country. This is about uh, those of faith, and Abraham particularly. That is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. We want to fill our minds today. I have an old-fashioned computer. It's a 3.1, if some of you know what that means. And we are feeding stuff into that computer. We have our little church paper that we put in every time, and we have a whole record of those uh, issues. And uh, this morning, I hope we can fill our minds like we'd fill a computer so that it can be used later and accessed. And uh, that's what we're about here in this, uh, in this Bible school to uh, fill up our minds with good things. And when we do, it's going to crowd out the worldly things. That's the way to be have victory over worldly things, is to fill your mind with something better. We want to talk about memorizing and meditating, and I, I need a little help for a while. I wonder if someone would like to quote from memory the books of the Old Testament. May I have a volunteer, either girls or boys here? You can do it, Sarah. I know you can. <laughs> You want to you want to do it here? Stand up and tell us. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 
First thing of Samuel, first thing of Kings, first thing of Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Very good. Okay, Sarah, you give us the New Testament then. You did it at home, I know you can. Come on, stand up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First, Second, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First, Second, Thessalonians, First, and Second, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, First, Second, Peter, First, Second, John, Jude, Revelation. First, Second, Third, John. Oh, and Third, <laughs> Very good. Okay, who would like to quote the first song for me? From memory, of course. Oh, you already did it. <laughs> the first psalm. Blessed is the man. Let's hear someone quote it. Okay. Right. Blessed is the man that walks not in counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor standeth in the seat of the scornful, nor meditate. But his delight. But his delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night. He... He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And that, that bringeth. That bringeth forth fruit. His tree also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly. The ungodly are not so. They are like a chaff that the wind driveth away. Therefore, Therefore the ungodly, the ungodly shall, shall not shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Okay. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay, maybe a little easier one. Who would like to quote Psalm 23? Okay, good. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me inside the still water. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou art not in thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and the cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will own the house of the Lord forever. Very good. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. This is one way to hide the word in your heart, and that is to memorize it so you have it right there, in your mind and in your heart. How many noticed a mistake I made on this uh, introduction here? <laughs> you did? <laughs> okay. What is it? <laughs> you mean like the record? Yeah. It's supposed to be Second Timothy. I'm not going to have you recite the first Timothy, although that's a good passage. In fact, I don't think we'll recite it at all because I've been hearing you recite it. I thought if you weren't doing that, we would recite this together, but I don't believe we'll take time for that. But do remember those good passages. First Timothy 2, 1 to 10 is also very good. Study is a deep subject when we take our reading and study it, but it's even deeper if we meditate on it and memorize it. And so we're going to talk about meditating and memorizing. 
It takes time and effort. I think anyone that's tried to memorize, anyone that really wants to get into the real meditation of the Word of God and memorize it, knows that it's going to take time. You've probably taken a lot of time memorizing that passage in Second Timothy. And it's well worthwhile. I don't think anyone regrets it. If you've taken time to memorize that, I don't think you'll ever be sorry. And this is the time to do it. When you meditate, it involves various viewpoints, and especially God's view. Now, we want to be careful here because there are, not a, there are a lot of viewpoints, there are a lot of commentaries, a lot of writings on the Scriptures, and we do need to be careful that we don't get led astray because, you know, we've got an adversary that would just like nothing better than for us to misunderstand or misapply or misuse the Word of God. But we have the Word of God and we have good counselors that help us. But beware, some say there's no fixed truth. We've been hearing about truth here, the truth that stands forever. And uh, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So we have something very steadfast here. It is fixed. All is relative. This is another statement I've written down here. Uh, Is that true? Is a truth and responsibility relative? Do some have uh, one responsibility and some have another? Or maybe it doesn't matter too much. These are ideas that are in the world. And we want to be awfully careful when we think of various viewpoints. That's what I had in mind. We do want to read what others say about the word and what they think it means and all this. But we also want to be very careful. Meditate for your own growth in grace. Second Peter 3.18, some of the last words that Peter wrote was, Grow in grace. And it's quoted quite often in the knowledge of his will. And that's good, but that isn't what it says. It says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Uh, That's good, too. That's the rest of it. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That's Psalm 119, 89. And if you'll notice, I think all the verses, but maybe one in Psalm 119, and there are a lot of verses there. It either refers to the Word or the statutes or the judgments or the commandments. It's almost uh, universal in that psalm. We had a brother that uh, one time he decided to uh, use Psalm 119 for his Old Testament Scripture. And uh, I don't mean to make fun of him, but when that is so long that when he got to the end of Psalm 119, he read right into Psalm 120 also, you know, that has divisions, and he just kept reading. He finally caught himself. But Psalm 119, even though it's the longest chapter of the Bible, it's just full of wonderful, wonderful expressions. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. What is the value of meditation and memorization? We already quoted thy word, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's the value, because when we have the word in our hearts, we're a little more apt to remember it when we're tempted to sin. This is one of the protections that we have, is having that word in our hearts. We are equipped to share and witness better. You're going to have a little practice in that this afternoon, and if you can have some scriptures from your memory, or at least... uh, available to you, it's going to really be wonderful. I've heard people tell me that the Word is what's powerful. The Word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder, joint and marrow, and the 
soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. One brother said, maybe they won't believe it, and maybe you'll encounter some this afternoon but that won't believe it, but if it's a sword, he says, stab him with it anyway. <laughs> I have a little note here, bankers' children playing with real money. I've heard that some bankers do this. And what would be the purpose of them playing with real money? Do you have any idea what this is about here? Yes. Okay. And what is? Right. Uh, you could have them play with all kinds of counterfeits. And still, they might not all know all the counterfeits. There might be others yet. But if you... Play with real money, you immediately recognize the counterfeit when you see it. Um, That's true of the Word of God, too. If you're uh, filled with the Word of God and schooled in that Word, you're going to recognize when someone tries to uh, misquote or, um, or tell that it means something that you know it doesn't mean. It's just wonderful that we have the original Word of God, the Word that will stand forever. Matthew... 1233 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if we have this word in our hearts, we're going to speak good things. We will be able, when we've memorized, we'll be able to recognize misquotes. Even if we don't remember the whole passage, even if we couldn't recite it, if you've memorized it at one time and maybe couldn't just stand up and say it again, you'll probably recognize if someone says it wrong. I've kind of experienced that. I've done a lot of memorizing, but I don't have them anymore. I can't stand up and quote things that I used to be able to quote, and uh, that's the way it goes. But as in your youth, if you can memorize some of these things, I think they're going to be with you a long time, maybe all your life. On what should we meditate? Uh, Psalm 1-2 says, In his law doth he meditate... Day and night. I want that day and night there. And in a very spiritual-minded old Aunt Orpha. Aunt Orpha Barton. I don't know if anybody would remember her or not, but she was a, a saintly woman and she was paralyzed in the last of her life and she had to be in bed 24 hours a day, just all the time. And in the nighttime, since she was in bed all the time, she didn't sleep very well at night. And she said, the nighttime, the early morning hours, that's my time to be with God. I just can't forget Aunt Orpha for that. Psalm 63, 6 says, When I remember thee on my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. What are the watches? I think that refers to military things. David was aware of his need in battle. You know, they had the various watches of the night. And if, if one that was on watch went to sleep, it was at the, the peril of his life. Sometimes they were executed for doing that. I don't know if they did that in Israel or not. But this was a very important time when they were on watch and on guard. And if they slept during that time, of course, that meant danger for the whole army or the whole city or whatever they were defending. Psalm 119, and I just listed some verses here. I don't intend to go to those, but it recommends to meditate in His Word, His precepts, His statutes, His laws, and His testimonies. Good meditations. And he says in 1 Timothy 4.15, meditate upon these things. 
and it's referring to reading and exhortation and doctrine. You know, we have a lot of good examples, both for doctrine and for example, and I'm thinking of old George Wolfe. He was a, a pioneer minister in the Brethren Church. He went out to Illinois, and he was a very... Um, there weren't very many people in Illinois at that time, but he was one of the famous ones. And uh, if I remember right, he actually held a revival meeting with a Methodist minister, I think it was. Anyway, it was a minister of another denomination, and I just kind of like that thought because we're a little bit that way here today. Um, and that's good. Uh, Christians are Christians, whether they're named Brethren or Mennonite or what they might be named. But this old uh, George Wolfe had some interesting things to say in regards to the world. He said, when, when I came to Christ, he said, I left the world. He said, I didn't belong to the world anymore. In fact, I didn't love the world anymore. He said, I came to Christ and I loved the brethren. And he said, regarding the way he dressed, for instance, he said, I will be like the people I love and not like the world which I do not love. I thought that was a real interesting quote and some, a very good resolve for all of us. And at the end of his life, um, this writer of uh, the book called The Old Brethren, it doesn't mean our old brethren, it means brethren in general, but if you've read that, you've probably read about George Wolfe. But uh, at the end of his life, he was at a meeting there and he, uh, he stood up and he said, if in the dawn of eternity, if I can see one soul there that's there because I loved and labored and witnessed, it will have requited all of that. And I think we can feel that way. And yet we know that that isn't the basis because we minister and because we work and testify and encourage and teach. That isn't really the way a person gets there because it's by the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that's what he meant because he had taught Christ. I think he understood it very well. On number five, I've said our thoughts. The easiest place to sin. You agree with that? I think too, I do. It's also the simplest place to find victory, but not the easiest. To find victory in your thoughts, it doesn't uh, take uh, so many hours of labor. It doesn't take a certain amount of money. It doesn't take sacrifice. It simply takes calling upon the Lord Jesus, asking Him to help you with thoughts. But though it's the easiest place to sin, it's not necessarily the simplest place to find deliverance. How much time have we wasted in this regard? I've thought about that a lot. I think I've wasted an awful lot of time. I don't know what you can say. Probably because I'm a good bit older, I've wasted a good bit more time. And I think that probably pretty well is like that. We just have to testify that. I know that some people are so efficient. I have a wife that's very efficient. If I'm brushing her hair, she has to be reading something or talking on the phone or doing something. She doesn't waste time. And I don't mean to just blow her up, but she has a better uh, um, concept of saving time than I do. Um, her father was one who said, um, make the best of your time. And when I was courting her, 
I was back there to live with them because she was in near Toronto and I was from California. So when I went back there, I lived right in their home. And of course, he would say, make the best use of your time. And of course, my idea of making the best use of my time was maybe a little bit different from his idea of making the best use of my time. But we made it. Praise the Lord. And uh, I have a good companion and I had good in-laws. There was one time when we were uh, riding the plane and we uh, were sitting behind a man who was obviously a uh, coach. And he had his players there. I don't know whether they were a basketball team or just what they were. But he was talking with another man who apparently he got acquainted with or maybe someone riding with him. And he said, I tell my people, my players, always play as though you're being evaluated. You know, I thought, that's kind of Christian. Always live as though you're being evaluated. Make the best use of that time. Meditate on good things. Watch those thoughts. Because evil thoughts creep in so easily. It's from the flesh. And I think we've all had experience with it. I know enough about humanity that I know that's true. I know enough about my own nature to know that's true. I've wasted a lot of time on evil thoughts. Thoughts that are not good. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let's say that passage together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. That's Psalm 19.14. You said that like you meant it. And we want to mean it when we say a resolve like that. When we ask the Lord to let this happen. Let it happen in my life. That number seven has a special interest to me. I think it was Thursday before we left to come here. I woke up at night. Evidently it was at three o'clock and I saw my clock. It's kind of had, has red numbers, you know, that are very visible at night. It said 3.16. 3.16! I thought, God's telling me something. What's 3.16? What does that mean? 3.16. Yes. John 3.16. Of course, it was just on the clock, but I had to be reminded that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then 1 John 3.16 is also good. Hereby perceive we the love of God. And I don't have that in memory. Can someone say that for me? Yes. Our lives for the Very good. That's it. Wonderful 316. I just thought the Lord gave me a little, little uh, thought at night there. Memorize. Youth is the best time to memorize. As I said, I've memorized a lot that I can't recite today. But I didn't do it in my youth. I did it in middle age. And I could do it fairly well then. But today, those chapters that I memorized are gone from me. I know, and I, like I said, I could probably realize if someone misquotes them. But I want to recommend to you to memorize now. Memorize while, you're, while you're, your uh, mind is bright and easy to memorize. I've made a note, note here, King James Version actually is easier to memorize. That might just be for me. But because of the language that's a little different, I think it is easier. Do you, do you agree? You do agree? I think so. I think it's easier to memorize. Uh, that doesn't mean we couldn't memorize the other versions. Yes? Yeah, 
Okay. All of it? Or just the Psalms? Certainly from God, isn't it? Yes. Give us, give us better ability to memorize it. Well, good. I do think that it is easier to memorize. Learn another language. I'm kind of, I've become more um, excited about learning another language, and I'm. It's too late for me. I, and maybe you might not think so. I was talking to a man that loved languages, and uh, I said, "Oh, I, I don't think I could learn another language." And he said, "Oh." Maybe not. And I said, I'm, I was, I'm 74. I said, I'm 74. He said, oh. <laughs> it makes a difference. Believe me, young people. It makes a difference. Memorize whole chapters. It's not as hard as you might think just, just thinking about it. It's not as hard as you might think. I think I might have memorized as much as 25 chapters, and I don't, shouldn't even say that because I can't say them today. But you can do it. You can do it easier than I could do it. There are people who have memorized whole books. Fanny Crosby, for one, she memorized uh, large portions of the Scriptures, and you might say, oh, she was blind. She didn't have all these other distractions. There might have been something to that, but still, it took effort for her to memorize, too. And she would write these songs... And I don't remember how she, how many she got in her memory, but she didn't have anyone to write them down for. But when someone would come to write them down, she'd recite all of these songs she'd memorized or the poems, and they would write them for her. How many did she write? 900? Something like that? Tremendous amount. Spirit-led poetry. Poetry is beautiful. And I just want to read a couple of items of poetry here. Um, some that are special to me. The bridge builder is one. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a raging tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fears for him. But he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim here, I have a right to say this, to recite this. You are wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the closing day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you this bridge at the eventide? Why am I bothering to come here? I think this explains a little bit of it. Besides the idea that we wanted to come. The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I have come, he said, there followeth me after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm which has been as naught to me, to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building this bridge for him. I had another poem that's a favorite of mine. It's uh, in this Disciplines of Life, but it's other places too. And this was one I had memorized and really precious. Art thou weary? Art thou languid? This is also a song. I don't know if they have all the verses, but this is a beautiful, beautiful thought. Art thou weary? Art thou languid? Art thou so distra- sore distressed? 
come to me, saith one, and coming, be at rest. Hath he marks to lead me to him, if he be my guide? In his feet and hands are wound prints and his sight. Is there diadem as monarch that his brow adorns? Yea, a crown in very surety, but of thorns. If I find him and I follow, what is payment here? Many a sorrow, many a labor, many a tear. If I still hold closely to him, what hath he at last? Sorrow vanquished, labor ended, Jordan passed. If I ask him to receive me, will he say me nay? Not till earth and not till heaven pass away. Finding, following, keeping, struggling, is he sure to bless? Saints, apostles, prophets, martyrs answer yes. I wasn't going to tell this, but you probably all remember Sir Winston Churchill and in the heat of their battle when the Germans were pounding England with bombs and everyone was discouraged and Sir Winston Churchill was the one who kind of brought them out of that discouragement. And he said this, he said, if the British Commonwealth should last a thousand years, men would still say this was her finest hour. So if you're going through troubles, maybe you need to kind of get a little bit of that concept and say, this may be my finest hour. Maybe this is our finest hour. I had to think, I don't really think that this is exactly the finest hour for the church. And yet that's kind of a discouraging thing to say. Maybe in reality it is. It is if we can get victory in Christ. If we ourselves can, can be yielded to Christ in such a way that maybe it never was that victorious before. If we can have uh, the, the uh, just give up ourselves and, and learn to know Christ better, maybe it will be our finest hour. We trust and hope that it will be. Memorize Christian songs. Um, a brother out there, I don't know if anyone remembers Arnold Gish. You do? Okay. Um, they say Arnold could, could sing the hymns without the little hymn book. And I think, I think that's true. He's gone now, but he had a tremendous memory for hymns. And we can memorize hymns. Um, and they will stay with us. Um, we had a little girl in our home for a while. And uh, she was from the world, you might say. She hadn't been taught hymns at home. And our girls were at home then, our daughters. And they taught her uh, about... Uh, the uh, children of the world, all the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. And we heard her singing, red and yellow, black and blue. <laughs> Poor Molly. She didn't know any better. That was kind of an expression she'd heard, but it taught me something. There's also, there are also black and blue children in this day in which we live. Uh, children are abused, and it's just sad. We had another... <clears throat> little girl in our school that also was from a home that didn't know Christian songs. And we could hear her singing, and can it be? Can you imagine a little girl who'd never sung anything before? We had sung this in school, and she was going around saying, How and can it be? 
there was a story also about a, a woman who had lost her daughter. This was in the times during the French and Indian War or before it. And the Indians had captured her daughter and her daughter had been in captivity for about 10 years. But at the end of the French and Indian War, they got these captives that had been in the Indian tribes in their homes for years. They brought them together and asked for the settlers to come and identify these children. If they, if they could find any of their children, they were welcome, of course, to take them home and, and uh, give them back to their parents. This one girl thought maybe she would find her daughter after 10 years. And uh, she tried and tried and didn't recognize anyone and her daughter didn't recognize her. Her daughter was actually among the crowd, but she looked like an Indian by then. She was 10 years older than her when her mother had seen her. And the one that was trying to get people to identify told her, he said, try singing one of the songs you sang in childhood. And she did. And uh, all of a sudden, this girl gave a shout and it was the daughter she recognized. She remembered that song that that mother had sung to her ten years before. Just uh, sing to your children. I, I don't know if it'll be any situation like that, but it'll bear fruit in some way. We know that. We have a brother-in-law called David Martin. I don't think any of you would know him. But he was injured when they were uh, getting rid of an old silo. They were pulling it over. And he, some for some reason, it was his, but he got too close for some reason. And that thing started coming over and he started running. And it caught him, the top of it caught him in the back of the shoulders. And he was, he had his, his neck or his back broken. And uh, he had to lie still. They didn't, couldn't give him painkillers uh, for some reason. They didn't want to do that. And he had to lie still. And this song came to him. Lord, I am fondly earnestly loving into thy holy likeness to grow. Could we sing that song? Do you know it well enough? Open the wells of grace and salvation. Lord, I am only earnestly longing into thy holy likeness to grow. Thirsting for It couldn't have been running through his mind if he wouldn't have known it ahead of time. Knew the, the song by heart. That's what it can be a potential for our experience. We have a song I'd like to pass out here. Maybe someone can do this for me. In fact, I have two songs. One we'd like to sing soon and uh, one we'd like to sing a little later. So this is the one we'll sing now. 
don't know if you know this, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is a fairly simple tune, but it's by uh, uh, Sarah Overholt. What's her last name now? She's married a foreigner, and I'm not sure what that last name is. Can you tell us? Alamansky. That's it. Sarah Alamansky. Oh, okay, thanks. Let's go. If people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive just a little bit. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. again in a couple of ways my memory I didn't start with prayer and I had a scripture I'd like to have had read maybe we can just pray right now Heavenly Father forgive me for my poor memory and not being sensitive enough to your holy will Lord be with us yet through this study may your name be glorified may these dear young people be benefited in some way May we all be brought closer to you, Heavenly Father. Just forgive us when we fail. Help us to serve you better and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen.
That scripture was 1 Timothy 4, and I don't believe I'll have it read, but I want to refer to it a little bit. 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's a scripture we maybe should have used a little more during this Bible study. Number verse 12, I'll start there because there's much good in that chapter, but let's just start with verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I believe someone did use that for the purity part. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. The reason we've had so much from First and Second Timothy here is because Timothy was a young man. And Paul, being an older man, was giving him good advice. And we need to study those. Study those books. First and Second Timothy. If you want to learn directions for your youth, study those. It says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. I don't want to just... Uh, Camp on that word meditate. It means to think, to think about, and to, to uh, peruse, and to uh, take it into your mind, and feed on it. <clears throat> oh dear. Too many papers. Okay. I think we were about to uh, um, learning discipline. Oh, we didn't go quite through all this. Um, Psalm 145.7 They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy right righteousness. Here it mentions memory. And then 1 Corinthians 15.1 and 2 Keep in memory what I preached unto you. The opposite of remember is to forget. Don't forget these things, but keep them in memory. And then for the uh, next section, learn discipline. It's vital in order to memorize or even to meditate. A disciple is one who is disciplined. And so I want to speak a little bit about discipline. It's instruction, teaching, learning, training that corrects, molds, or, re or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. It can also mean punishment, control gained by enforcing obedience or order. I don't think really that fits quite into the Christian setting that we would punish and gain control by enforcing obedience or order. But certainly discipline can mean in the Christian setting instruction and teaching and learning and training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. And then the discipline as a verb means to punish or penalize for the sake of discipline, control or bring a group under control. Again, I don't think we need to uh, think of punishment, discipline as punishment. Maybe God can use that. He can if he sees fit because he knows how to punish with the idea of making us better. Maybe, uh, well, we'd have that, certainly have that in mind for our children too. There's a book on Disciplines of Life that I think I recommended before. 
it's uh, really a very valuable book. It, it uh, uses words that start the same, like Brother Kurt has done with his, uh, his uh, points and subpoints. I don't want to say all of these, but they all start with these. The discipline of discipleship, the discipline of danger, the discipline of daring, the discipline of darkness. And right on down about 25 or 30 of these disciplines. Now, the man that wrote this was uh, B.R. No. Yeah, Edmund. B.R. Edmund. And they say that he was a teacher at uh, one, of the, one of these colleges, I think Wheaton College. And it says that he was speaking. He'd been sick for a while. He'd had some heart trouble. And uh, he stood up to give a message to the student body with these words. This will be the first time in more than ten months that I have attempted to speak in public. But I want you to consider with me an invitation to visit a king. It says in the middle of the message, he succumbed to a heart attack and entered into the presence of the king of kings and Lord of Lords, while he was preaching. Isn't that wonderful? I think that'd be a good way to go. We also um, learned of a dear friend, just probably about my age or a little bit younger, who passed away very suddenly after church service. Uh, people were speaking in the aisle of the church, and he sat down at a bench and passed away right there. One of our dear friends. Um, this uh, book has, with each discipline, it has a beautiful poem, and that's where I got this, Art Thou Weary, Art Thou Languid. I've had it from other places, but I sure would recommend this, because we need to be disciplined. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. Psalm 119, 9-16. And I have another time, Live in me, Lord Jesus, live in me. I'd like us to sing that too. Live in me, Lord Jesus, live in me. out a prayer here, Lord, take possession of my whole being, thoughts, words, and deeds. This is my prayer for this Bible study, Bible uh, school, that we would progress in our words, thoughts, and deeds, our whole area of experience, you might say. Paul writes in Romans 7.18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, Appreciated the thoughts about brokenness this morning because it is so important. There's a book uh, that we have. I didn't bring it because I thought some of the items in it weren't quite according to what I believed. But I did appreciate his comments on brokenness. That this is the forgotten feature of prayer. That when we pray, we need to pray brokenly. That, that we need to realize what I've printed here. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I appreciated all the devotions of these young brethren. The one about grace upon grace. And the second one that didn't say so much, but that passage that he read out of uh, the knowledge of the holy, that there's no problem that finite man can have that an infinite God cannot solve. We need to remember that. And I've benefited from hearing that reread. 
And then this morning, the comments about brokenness. We had a time, I guess you'd call it a time of brokenness, because in our school, we had a bitter lawsuit. Lawsuit. I'll start with a, an elderly lady in one of the nursing homes, because in connection with our comments on memory, she had memorized verses and verses and verses. And she was an elderly lady, and she said them each day. If I'd say what I'd memorized each day, I think I'd still have it. But she would walk down. She couldn't walk very well. She was practicing, holding onto the handrail, and she'd be reciting her verses. Well, she passed away. And she had been such a connector to our school. She had sent messages to the students. And she was a very dear person. She wasn't in our fellowship, but she just took a liking to our school. When she passed away, we thought, we ought to go to her funeral. Our school ought to show up in her funeral. It was just a small school. I think there were still 11 of us, maybe, or 13 or whatever it was. Anyway, we uh, decided we'd do that, and we sent messages to the parents. And one that we had was a a family of unbelievers. Uh, We learned later we probably should not have taken them, but we took this girl who had never been to a funeral. I made sure that she sat by me, and I wanted to make sure she wasn't freaked out or something. Anyway, after the funeral, we decided, well, we'll have our lunch downtown here. And uh, we went to a park. Well, in the park, there were prisoners working on the trees. And they said, oh, no, we can't eat here. We went out to Columbia, which is a place where uh, they have, through placer mining, washed away the soil. And there's big boulders and big rocks. And we had gone there time and again to climb around on the rocks. And school children, buses, buses after buses had stopped there and let their children play on this thing. Well, this little girl that was from this unbeliever's home wasn't very athletic and she was climbing up on the rocks and she fell. She fell about eight feet. She hit her head and cut a little gash in her forehead here. I think she uh, broke her elbow maybe. We didn't know it at the time. But anyway, the, the, the results of that were that her grandmother, who had custody... Her mother wasn't what she should be, and they had given custody to her grandparents and her grandmother, who was an invalid. All these things enter into the story. She didn't. uh, She hit the fan. She called me and she wondered what was going on. And I did my best to pacify her. But uh, there was no pacifying. And uh, it went about five years. And I thought, I believe we're clear. After five years, I thought that would be the statute of limitation. And I just rejoiced when that fifth year ended. But for children, there is no statute of limitation. And after five years, she brought this lawsuit against our school. Eventually, it was against our school, against me and against our church. They were looking for deep pockets somewhere, I guess. Anyway, it never did come to court, but I had to go to a, um, um, what do they call it? Attorney, but uh, that interrogation anyway, where they a deposition, right? And uh, we uh, got through that, but the loss, the they settled for thirty-five thousand dollars plus court costs. Well, at that time, especially, that was a lot of money, and uh, it, we learned where our friends were. They uh, they contributed a lot of German Baptist brethren contributed. All of the parents of the children contributed, and we paid off that in good time. What I want to get to is this grandmother. She was a bitter person. And uh, we volunteer at the hospital. And one of the hospital units 
is a long-term unit where I go and read to the patients. And at that time, I would take patients outside and wheel them around in the fresh air, and they enjoyed that. Well, this Grandma Taylor ended up in this place where I was serving. And I got to communicate with her a bit. By that time, she didn't really remember. She would look at me and she said, Do I know you? And I said, Oh, Miss Taylor, I come here every week. And uh, I was able to minister to her just a bit. I did pray for her and I did take her outside, I think, once. But she died in that place. And we went to her funeral. And her family... I just didn't comment, but she was the only one who wanted to bring this lawsuit. Her family was all against her. And when <clears throat> this funeral came, they told us, told me, you didn't have to even go across that threshold to her room. I wanted to. There was no resentment. I could give her by the grace of God. I could forgive her. And we can by the grace and mercy of God. You can have that in your heart. And I'm not bragging. I'm just, a, just praising God that it can happen. They wrote a check out of her um, bank account after her death to our school, the Old Brethren Church School. They put in the paper with her death notice that donations should be given to the Brethren School. I don't know how many were given, but uh, we just, they appreciated what the, the response we had had. And I just want to tell you that because not that we did so well, but that God was glorified, I do believe. Praise God. Submission, true humility, and modesty. God always knows best whether it suits us or not. And we have a couple of songs here. I don't think we'll sing His way as best. I kind of wanted to sing His way with thee, but I think rather uh, we don't have a lot of time left. And I just want to finish this a little bit. The farmer who went out to feed his chickens and found his cows getting out. This came out in the, uh, the, by the still waters, the, the devotional book. And he said... Uh, because he went out to feed his chickens that night because he knew he'd forgotten it. He said, well, the chickens could, could have made it till morning. It wouldn't make any difference. But he said, I was kind of thought I ought to go out and feed those chickens. Well, he found his, his cows getting out of a gate he'd left open. And he said, the Lord was in this. He wanted me to feed those chickens so I could find the, and shut the cows in. Well, it just appeared to me, sure, it was the Lord was in it. And that's good. That suits us. But how about the times when it doesn't suit us quite so well and we know the Lord is in it? Maybe it's an item of brokenness, but we have to realize that God is in control, that his way is best, and we want to be submissive to that way. Now, you have another song that we passed out. It's about humility and submission. By the way, submission is almost a forgotten word in our in our. Uh, culture. And if you want to add these words to the Christian language words, we have submission, we have humility, we have showers of blessings in this uh, uh, song. Let's sing this. Uh, humility, thou secret veil. How many know this song? Does anyone know it? Well, it isn't hard to learn and it certainly has good thoughts. So, uh, Try to learn it. It's not a, a complicated song. Again, we have D. No. E G. No soul. Humility, thou secret veil, unknown to pride. 
yet humility a wonderful virtue and it's a gift of God I don't think there was anyone that the Lord Jesus Christ was harder on than those Pharisees that were proud in heart hypocrites humility an humble man isn't usually a hypocrite it might be I suppose we could fake it but it won't last very long if we just fake it if we really have it as a gift and an attribute of God Yes, God is humble too. He, someone has said, He made the flowers out where nobody could see them. He said, If I was making them, I'd have put them out by the freeway. But God is humble enough to do that. And we need to be humble. We need to be like God. May the Lord bless you as you meditate and memorize His good words.